0: That's a dreadful goal and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! all right What a goal!
1: Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri.
0: lovely cushion header But oh, you're beautiful! What a head!
2: What a hit. The Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool started off the weekend with a 4-0 win over Bournemouth thanks to a Mo Salah hat-trick. That win pushed the Reds to the top of the table and Salah into the lead for the Golden Boot Race. Arsenal defeated Huddersfield thanks to a late winner from Wonderboy, Lucas Torreira. Manchester United were able to get all three points this weekend with a 4-1 win over Fulham. Chelsea slayed the beast during the 12-30 match. They defeated Manchester City thanks to goals from N'Golo Conte and David Luiz. And Spurs concluded Saturday with a 2-0 victory, which saw them move into third place in the table. Spurs defeated the Foxes of Leicester City. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Andrew Pissarro, in here with Alex Moss and Javier Revello. How are we
1: doing today, boys? I just want to start out by saying you're welcome, Andrew. Thank
2: you, Alex. I, I you
3: guys really, both had
1: fantastic weekends. You know, we look out for each other here on the Ghost Gold Podcast, and uh, we were happy to do it. Somebody so had to take them permanent. down.
2: Somebody had to take them down. Somebody had to move into first place. Oh, you guys couldn't. Yeah, yeah so. we couldn't. We couldn't. We drew with them, which which is hard to do. Hard to do. Uh, but it is a great weekend. It's great being on top of the Premier League. Uh, it's great being the last undefeated team in the Premier League. I know. Uh, I know Javier's sweating it out, waiting to uh, definitely to not champagne. sweating it
3: out. <laughs> like, definitely I not. Mean, City were unbeaten till um, till you guys beat them last year. That was till like February. Like, I'm not gonna start sweating till it like, gets to like February or March. I would be like, sweating. I'm definitely not definitely sweating. sweating. It's uh, like impossible yeah. Yeah, to yeah, do I, that. I, I would. City's better would than sweat. you,
2: and they're not unbeaten, so like I'm not scared. You know. I mean, I would start sweating because uh, we're only just starting to see the fruits of uh, Nabi Kota and Fabinho. So yeah, just get, like, get worried, get worried. But like, it's okay to no it's way. okay to not there's be no worried way. before, but um, and also like I mean, still Virgil Van Dyke is is just look, just no one's ever taken that away from us. Just look, every team,
3: every season, it's the same shit. Every team dreams that they're going to be invincible, like Barca last year. But guess what? It's not going to happen. That's Arsenal's.
1: Just I mean, you do know other teams f- other I know, than Arsenal I know. But have But in, been in modern football season. in the
3: last 20 years like it, it's not going to ever happen again is what I mean. Arsenal's going to be the last team to do it. Like they're, they're, it, it may happen in like the French it league. But it, it, it's happened since. not in like, the major like major 5 leagues. Not in like Germany, Italy, France or uh, Spain. Barcelona were a
2: game away last year. You may see it from events this year. Barcelona were a game last year, but... Also, didn't Juve go undefeated with Conte? I'm pretty sure Juve went undefeated when you were with Conte. they did. They did. They did. They did. They did? Yes. Whatever. Senegal was
3: garbage back then. It doesn't matter.
2: Okay. 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 All of
1: the cop-outs. All All of them. It doesn't matter. We we hit bingo.
2: Alex, we hit bingo. (laughs) We got all the Javier excuses in two minutes and 43 seconds into the pod. We're done. Yeah, I got to get him out of the way Go home, guys. See you next week.
1: See ya. Bye. I guess I will be up late editing this one. All right. (laughs) See, now
3: this is – I knew this was going to happen. I almost called out of this pod. (laughs) You know, I was just going to get teamed up on the entire time while you guys high-five each other. It's like like you guys Eiffel Towered Man City. A little bit. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about that before, but now
1: I am. All right. An episode uh, but, title for that.
2: <laughs> Before we uh, get in, I just want to say, listen to the whole episode because I've got an interview with Brian Dunseth coming at the end. We talked a lot about Manchester United, a little bit about the Premier League. We talked about the U.S. Men's National Team naming Greg Berhalter the new manager, and uh, Dunny was down at Atlanta United for the MLS Cup final between, which saw Atlanta defeat Portland for their first MLS title. So we talked about all of those. Uh, it's right at the end of the pod, so stay tuned for that. Let's get into the meat of the business, of why we are here, and let's start with Liverpool's 4-0 victory over Bournemouth. Mosala gets a hat trick and an own goal, thanks to an Andy Robertson cross for Sadio Mane uh, from Cook. This was, I'm not going to lie, guys, hands up, hand up, didn't watch this one live. It, it, wow. It was, yeah, oh, wow. we were calling it last week, we're I, like, I, he's definitely going to wake up for, at 7.30, like it's Liverpool, I, he used to i know uh we'll talk about it later that it, it, yeah it, it was there were it's,
1: there that's were some a demerit there were <laughs> yeah that's yeah, a I'll shameful take that. i'll, I'll take i'll mention
2: that on air I, I you know what i had to be honest i had it i had to give the audience the the the, the, the truth I, I didn't watch this game live i've since watched it twice which is more than i normally do but that's to finish yeah i watched yeah i watched it twice <laughs> I watched it on Saturday afternoon and I was so depressed this, 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 today from the Redskins ripping my beating heart out of my chest yesterday that I was like, I need to feel happiness again. I'm going to go watch Liverpool kick the shit out of Bournemouth again. Couple changes... Uh, Joe Gomez is going to be out for the next few weeks. He pulled up an injury in the Burnley match, so he started it right back at that game. And Trent Alexander-Arnold came on again for him. Surprise about this was that James Milner came in at right back and not Nathaniel Klein. So that's interesting. Maybe we're going to see Klein officially leave Liverpool come January. There's a couple teams sniffing around at that. Joel Matip did fantastic in midfield. uh, I'm guessing he was just resting Alexander-Arnold for the Champions League, right? Yeah, I think that was it.
3: Um, but so I was uh, like pretty butthurt that he didn't play. Yeah, uh, he's but, been pretty pretty good lately. So I'm like, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm guessing he was just saving him, right? Yeah, that's that's my impression. Fabinho and Keita getting the start in midfield. Both of them looked really good. And then again, we see more of the no. Sadio Mane, who's been kind of recovering from an injury he picked up a couple weeks ago. Um, but you got everything he needed out of. Firmino, this is the first time we got Salah to see kind and, and of.
3: Shaqiri. Shakiri gets to only feed Salah, like yeah. it became. It's the first time that like it's usually Shakiri feeding Salah and Mane, but this is the first time that it was just like okay, focus on just Salah and, I mean, it's kind of scary. It's uh, I don't. I really don't want this. 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 The old. He looked like the old Salah was back. It looked like Salah yeah. from last year. You know that and, that cheeky uh, that cheeky third goal where he just put the defender and the goalie on the ground and just tapped it in with his right foot. I was just like, oh god, like, right,
1: that's confidence, Salah.
3: That's con- <laughs> well, I literally after I saw that goal, I just picked him up in fantasy because I was like, no, you know, I just missed this hat trick and I can't I can't do that to myself again this season. So Salah is on my team from now till you know.
1: Well, that wouldn't be a problem future. if you had just believed in our Lord Salah. From the very yeah. beginning, like you the rest
2: really, of us, you really should have. I don't know why
1: you're. This is his him.
3: first first. Uh, I guess the Cardiff yeah, but been game. I think he's Like he's been he scoring multiple consi- goal
2: game. Yeah, but he never had a ton of multiple goal games last year. He just scored in like every, every single game. One of yeah. Them. yeah, like also you know. the
1: general consensus seems to be that since you guys have shifted your uh, like philosophy and identity in games, you're not going to need 32 goals in the league from solid. You'd probably only really need like 25 and like yep. a. A smattering of goals uh, in other positions to keep up. Obviously, you're in first place. That's the the best indicator of uh, of a good title challenge. But by the end of the season, if he's hovering around 25 to 30 goals, he'll be in a good spot.
2: Yeah, they're going to be fine. And I thought the midfield this was possibly the best midfield performance we've had all year. Ceda, Monaldum, and Fabinho just handled everything pretty well. Bournemouth, Seems had, a, to be Bournemouth had a couple. What your midfield's going to look like in the future. Yeah, Bournemouth had a couple chances, but no Callum Wilson definitely helped Liverpool. That's a killer. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that's a big one. there were a couple other injuries for Bournemouth, and I just never thought I knew I had Liverpool pegged to win this before those that injury news came out, and it's like yeah, us we lost Joe Gomez for a couple weeks. He did sign a new deal today, uh, securing his future with Liverpool. But lose us losing Joe Gomez is not nowhere clear to the level of importance that some of the injuries that uh, Bournemouth brought into this game. And um, I know some people say that that the first uh, Salah goal was technically sides, but Fine, take that one away. We're still going to get the other three. This was this team was just too much for for Bournemouth. They handled their chances well. The midfield played great. And Salah took the chances when it was given to him. Like I don't really have much else to t- say about it. So let's move on. Let's briefly go over to... Uh, let's run through some of the 10 o'clock games. Burnley got a 1-0 victory over Brighton. Cardiff got a 1-0 victory over Southampton. West Ham got a 3-2 victory over Crystal Palace. And that leaves us to Arsenal, who got a late winner from Lucas Torreira. Let's go out to Javier. How did you feel about this... Uh, Kind of a dramatic finish for Arsenal, who win again over uh, Huddersfield. Yeah, just bummed out that we, uh, again, couldn't take a lead
3: before halftime. We had like a bunch of chances in the first half. Just uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang both missed
1: sitters again, which it's a little worrying that... Are you counting the offside, the wrongfully given offside goal? In that, uh, or
3: no? yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just counting
1: that a little bit, but uh, it's you just can't like, blame Lacazette for that. Right? No,
3: I can't blame Lacazette for that. But then there was, there was. I'm glad, by the way, you didn't believe me that it was wrongfully offside. Oh, and, it was uh, wrongfully
1: <laughs> offside. I mean, explain to the listeners what happened. Basically, like, because <sighs> that could have changed the game.
3: Like, yeah, uh, basically, uh, like uh, Lacazette was coming back from an offside position, and uh, th- someone played a ball to him, and the defender from Huddersfield won the ball, like had control of the ball. Like took a touch and then passed it back to his goalie, and then he, the pat the pass was like didn't get to the goalie. Lacazette took it and then scored, and they called offside saying, "Well, you know, he was coming back from like he was offside when the pass was initially placed." But once the defender like gets control of the ball and is allowed to pass it back to the keeper, that the, that's just that's you the can't offside, be offside is over when the at other that team point. Plays it to you, right? <laughs>
1: you just can't. The, off- not- the offside
3: is over at that point, so it was a little bit. Contentious. I don't know if VAR would have called that goal or given that goal. I think it would have. I think it would have, but
1: I don't think it would have because uh, they, the linesman put his flag up and with VAR, uh, the, they only review for a goal if the, if they didn't call for offside. So, like, when VAR comes into effect, referees and sideline officials are, like, are asked to not put their flag up as much and to let the technology, like, settle it for them.
3: Right. And also, I think they they haven't quite decided when it is the referee is, like, forced or needs to use VAR. I think that's that's, like, still one of the questions out there of, like... When does the re- like should the referee have to? Should he be told? Should there be you know people you know a hundred miles away that are telling him that he needs to, or should it only be his decision? But anyway, I, that, that's, you got the that's, result. That's what. That's counts. for another pod. What I was going to say. I mean, Lucas Torreira, man of the match, four games out of the last five. I mean, the guy's just been absolutely monstrous for us. Did not know he had that in him. Did not know he could you know score a bicycle kick winner under pressure in in a in a moment like that and yeah, I'm super happy for, I'm super happy that we have a player like that now. And yeah, I just want to keep building on, on, you know, 22 games unbeaten. So let's, uh, let's Do you keep
1: think they should stick with the 3-4-3?
3: Yeah. I mean, considering we'd drawn four games out of five and then we've won three out of our last four games uh, in the 3-4-3. Um, and we, you know, should have beaten United in it too. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's been, it's been going well and it's, the, the team seems to be, adapting better to it and our first halves have been a lot better than the 3-4-3 even though we haven't had leads we've been getting more chances and, and our, our first halves when we were playing 4-3-3 were just terrible i mean there were halves where we gave would give up like half a dozen chances and not have any chances ourselves so i'm happy that it seems to have shored up some
2: of our problems at the back all right let's jump over to uh the manchester united's 4-1 win over fulham which saw ashley young get on the score sheet saw Juan Mata got on the score sheet, Lukaku got on the score sheet, and Marcus Rashford had a goal and two assists in this game. Um, And if I'm correct, I think Juan Mata had like his 50th Premier League goal and his 50th Premier League assist in this match, which is a nice little fact. Um, There's no
1: way. There's no way he's only just getting to 50. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's at United then. Maybe United, yeah, sure.
2: I, yeah, yeah, that makes that makes more sense, now that I say it out loud. No Paul Pogba again. That's two matches in a row that Manchester United have not utilized their big-name player and their their midfield talisman, which is... I
3: think it's pretty clear that there's a problem
1: there. We've I mean, Jose said in the weeks, interview afterwards but... that he's uh, that Pogba's 100% starting on oh, Tuesday or Wednesday in the Champions League game, so... I mean, do it that way, you will, but maybe that means he doesn't play against Liverpool next week. I think that's a far bigger indica- indicator if, uh, of their relationship if he doesn't start at Liverpool.
3: Well, I, saying, I mean, but they're qualified in the Champions League, so him starting in the Champions League, that's like, that's not like, that's nothing. That's, no, that's not like a reward. <laughs> it's a League Cup game. Right. That's yeah. not a reward. They're qualified already, like, the, the game true. doesn't I matter about at all.
1: That. Huh? That's true. I forgot that they qualified.
3: Right. So I don't. I don't. I don't know how. Like that's that. That's any qualified. But let's not talk about Pogba, who was not a factor at all in this game. I thought that United were actually pretty damn good in this game. Yeah. It was the first time that United actually were able to take advantage of some of the. They could have had like six or seven goals. Really, Lukaku was really really raceful. Um, he had a few easy chances that he missed, and um, I thought that. For once, they were they were kind of at the races in this game, and maybe it was just Fulham were really really bad, because Fulham were really really bad. But I th- I think that you got to give some credit to United, and, and you know this is uh this is the type of result that maybe will build a little confidence for them. Lukaku got another goal, you know. Uh, Mata I think should be starting. I I've always liked him, and I think that they always look better when he's on the pitch. I guess I just think that Mourinho. It doesn't seem like Mourinho's ever trusted him.
1: They don't have another player like him. He's the one of a kind in their squad.
3: Right. I, I always think that they look better and more. Uh, they have more dimensions to their game when he plays. I think they're, they're too one-dimensional when they don't have him in the squad. But, um, and like Andrew mentioned, I mean, Marcus Rashford with two assists and a goal. He actually wasn't that great uh, outside of those, which is like kind of uh, weird to say. But, I mean, he's just, he's he's not that young anymore, right? He's 23. I mean, that's still pretty young, but... Yeah, I just mean, you know, he's he's kind of at that age where he's going to have to start producing week in and week out, or he's not going to make it at 21.
2: 21 and only turned 21 and so on Halloween. Yeah, I didn't think... I think okay, 23 okay. might be Martial, to be honest. Uh,
3: Well, if he's 21, he's got some time still. But yeah, I just Ma- think that Martial, 23. He needs to be, you know, playing every single week right now and to get some consistency going, because it seems like every time he gets ahead of steam, he gets benched and you know, doesn't get a run of games again. So I think they got to keep starting him. They got to, you know, I, I think Alexis, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that guy. They probably got to get rid of him in January, right? I mean, at, Who this, knows point, at this point, you just have a... So, you know, what, what did you guys think of Fulham in this game? I, I, it seems like they've got problems all over the pitch and there's not, uh, there's, there's nothing really positive they can take from this game. And I don't know, it, it, Ranieri seemed to have built for the first couple of games, but it kind of seems like this was the same old Fulham again. I, I I don't know what you guys think.
1: I thought they would be ready at this point to, uh, or be well drilled enough at this point all over the field to go to uh, what before this game was a pretty uh, fickle United that hadn't they drawn like their last mm-hmm. three games in the league uh, before that. So they weren't exactly like, it wasn't, a results that was to be expected maybe United win would be expected but not like a 4-1 demolition with them being 3-0 up at halftime what you said about the midfield I think that's going to be the part that takes the most drilling because the, that's the area that they have the fewest amount of players that are uh, willing and able to think defensively and think more cautiously uh, in that in those areas uh, like Tierney is a nice player the the Scottish youngster who scored the goal that got them back up to the, the Premier League uh, but he's an entirely attacking option. They brought in Seri to be sort of that defensive midfielder. He's not really well polished enough or experienced enough to do that quite yet. And the yellow, the second yellow card and the overall play of Andres, Sambo, Frank, and Gisa, whatever his name is, when he got that second yellow card and got sent off. They paid a lot ex- of money that ex- for that, that guy. That explains it all. Yeah, they paid a lot for him to be their midfield enforcer. And so far, he has fallen flat on his face.
2: I need more from the defense from Fulham. I, I know that they started using— uh, got to get through
1: the midfield to get to the defense, Andrew.
2: That's fair. That's fair. But uh, Virgil van Dijk has shown that sometimes <laughs> having a good defender fucking helps. And uh, there is—I mean, Alfie Mawson, yeah, he's good. But Alfie Mawson does not a back line make. So. Yeah, he needs some help. <laughs> they def- desperately desperately need some help like i said nathaniel klein possibly available maybe maybe we uh throw him down 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 to fulham for
1: we'll something. uh we'll know. loan them ethan empadue we'll loan yeah. them ethan empadue ethan for the second half of the season he'll help keep them up it'll be a little bit they'll be fine i want to see fulham yeah. stay up
3: all right stop both of you uh, stop with your delusions
2: <laughs> okay uh, let's jump over to the biggest game of the day, which was Chelsea's 2-0 victory over Manchester City. and it with a Conte bit more game. gusto,
1: Andrew. Come on. <laughs> Chelsea with the 2-0 victory over Manchester City, the best performance by any team in the league this season. I don't know that. Actually, no. Don't go that far.
2: <laughs> I definitely wasn't going to say that. What?
3: I was That'd just saying Chelsea's you won.
1: best performance of the season. Oh yeah, well that goes without saying. But. City just weren't remember, really. At remember it when this game you
2: game remember then. on the pod last week when you guys like basically crucified me for for picking a draw? Yeah, and both of you, you know, picked Manchester, maybe, Manchester City wins. Maybe, remember that? Maybe, remember that? I remember that. I stand that. by maybe it was, that.
1: Maybe it's a little bit premature to say. Javier, please tell Andrew about my demeanor, even when we were up 2-0. <laughs> yeah,
3: when they were up 2-0, he was like, oh, they're going to tie it. Like, there's going to be – it's the goal is coming right now, and then it's going to be 2-2 within waiting like five minutes. He was just like, we're definitely drawing. Like, we're not – there's no way we're winning this game. We're not keeping a clean sheet. It's impossible. We're not going to keep – even like the 92nd minute when Sterling was like running down the left wing, he's like, oh, this is the goal. This is the consolation goal. It's coming now. And I was just like, no, dude, it's not coming. You guys are keeping a clean sheet.
2: You're Okay. Alex, I want I want commentary here. I need you
3: to
1: talk about it. I was wrong about well, N'Golo Kante. Well, the things we said. He was incredible Goya, the, the, in that
3: the, the, position the, this game. So I was wrong yeah. as hell. I was super wrong I'm about just that. happy
1: we can put that to bed for at least a few weeks until people find some sure. other reason to yeah, bring it up I think, again. Because I'm sure it will become a storyline again at some point. I mean, N'Golo Kante isn't the perfect player uh, for that position. Did he win man of the match? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I assume so. Either him or David Luiz. I oh, think I think either. it was David
2: Luiz. You're
3: right. David either, Luiz was incredible. A very good
1: selection.
2: Ha- uh, Eden Hazard did have both assists.
1: Yes, he did. But, but he was he pretty was, underwhelming, actually. Well, he was he was pretty isolated up top, and he even said that after the game. Like he said, he's okay with playing center forward and playing false nine. Obviously, he has experience from playing under Conte last season in that in that system, some games. But he feels like he doesn't get the ball as much. He doesn't have as big of an influence on the game. Obviously, playing against Manchester City has a big part to do with that. So, if he plays that position uh, against Brighton, for instance, next week, I'm I'm sure he'd have plenty of the ball. The thing that, or the one thing I can point to from the preview pod that did come to fruition that Javier and I mentioned is that if Chelsea were going to have any chance in this game, we were going to need performances of the season, uh, maybe even like best performances of their career from the likes of David Luis, Espiliqueta, and Golo Kante. All of the players who are going to be very influential in like the defensive phase, and we absolutely got that. Cesar Spiliquetz's numbers from the game are absolutely ridiculous. Thirteen tackles is more than any player in the top five leagues in Europe has gotten in a single game this season. He had something like five blocks. He was an absolute monster and kept Leroy Sane relatively quiet. There were a couple moments of nervousness early in the game when Sterling had that pretty good chance that he hit first time on his left and it went straight straight to Keppa, and then that David Luiz tackle of Sane when he was he almost so one v one in the box. Latched his tackles and well, I was going to say those are those two are the only real ones of note. After that, we kept City relatively quiet and we did a pretty good job of kind of. I don't want to say mimicking Liverpool's method of pressing in the Champions League on City, but we were pretty determined to not let them get into our defensive third and to try and cut off the supply while it was in midfield. And our midfield did a great job of that. I think this is is the first time
3: that you could really see them missing Kevin De Bruyne. Because against Chelsea both times last season... De Bruyne was basically a man of the match in Boston midfield, and he was basically the reason why City won both games last year. It seems like, you know, for the first time this season, we haven't really seen it against other teams um, because I feel like Chelsea's midfield is, you know, probably one of the best in the league, if not the best. So, you know, them or City. And I think I'll take this, second. I'll I think this is the first third. time that we, you know, we got to see them competing in the midfield with 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 a team that was on their level. And this is where the the first time that you know, as good as the both Silvas have been this year, you, you could tell defensively, they were super nervous and they they weren't able to get forward nearly as much as they wanted to. So I I thought that you know, obviously not having Agüero too was was a pretty big factor. They didn't they didn't have that ball retention up front and the uh, the link up play that he brings. So, I would argue that
1: I would argue that Aguero was the bigger miss for them than De Bruyne yeah, because I would agree. obviously Aguero has like a pretty well established record against Chelsea specifically and also it seemed like they missed that like decisive presence not only in the box but like just outside of it too where Chelsea sometimes go to sleep when we're marking players who are a little bit further out you can go back and look at the uh, Harry Kane goal uh, against us at Wembley a couple of weeks ago where David Luiz and Kepa just went to sleep Agüero just feasts off those chances. If you give him a day, uh, an inch of daylight outside the eighteen-yard box, he's going to try and hit it as soon as possible. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here because I want to take away a lot of positives for Chelsea from this, but then you, the, the, the missing, uh, missing De Bruyne and Agüero, you, you can't deny that, and like with those two players, oh, so I don't think we win. I think we maybe home. get it. We maybe get a draw. You know, and I would be okay with that, but. Yeah, you have to you have to bring it up when you talk about this game.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how how Manchester City move forward from this. Obviously, I still think that they're going to go on and probably win their next game regardless of the Champions League, Premier League, etc. I don't think that this is going to be where City falls apart. I think this is just where, you know, Guardiola is going to go back to the drawing board a little bit and say, "All right, next time when I don't have these two key players, what am I going to do differently and how am I going to game plan it a little bit?" I still, I know he's young and still kind of coming up, but I just I'm surprised that Gabriel Jesus isn't starting in a game like this. And I, I get it, they still have so much talent in that front line, but I mean, you talked about it with Aguero, that, that player you know who's going to take the, the shot, who's going to take that opportunity. That's what Gabriel Jesus is supposed to be, and I definitely would have thought he would have been ready for this. That's and what him, he's for him.
3: supposed to be, but you know, I was really high on him when he came to the league, and I really liked his energy and, and how he played, but I, I think he's just he might be a little bit too soft and a little bit too injury prone for the Premier League. He might just it might just be that he's better suited for La Liga or
1: for Serie A. And so, are you trying to tell me that he can't do it on a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm
3: starting yeah. to think it might be yeah, Richarlison who's the one who's who's doing it on a rainy night in Stoke and not him. I mean, they're both similar aged. Um, I think Jesus might be a few months younger, but it's just it's. I see what Richarlison is doing at Everton, and it's not like Jesus isn't scoring goals or not getting chances at City. It's just I think he should, I think he only has one Premier League goal. and He really should be doing a lot better than that in a team that he does have a
1: he does have a hat trick at Shakhtar, right? To be fair, I was to say just he has some goals in the up.
3: Champions League, so and in the FA Cup and and, and whatever. So, it, you know, maybe he, maybe it's just that he's he's still young, and I mean, I'm still he's I still think he's a you know very precocious and very good talent, but. Uh, I've just been a little bit disappointed with him lately, and and I understand why Pep didn't have faith in him to start this game. You know, I think that
1: he's just been a little bit disappointing this season, and, you and when know, he came on, he didn't do much. he didn't do much. That's, that's what I say. When he didn't. came on, he wasn't effective at all. So to be fair to him, that is a very difficult thing to do. Come into such a high energy big match like that as a young player and really affect it and put your fingerprints on it. Uh, so I. He probably would have had more of an effect if he started the game. So I, I don't wanna use that as too much of a uh, a negative for him.
2: All right, let's wrap up Saturday. Leicester lost two nil to Tottenham, Hinming San in the forty fifth plus one, and Deli Alley sealed it in the fifty eighth minute. And he was offside. Uh, yeah. Typical Deli Alley. <laughs> typical typical Deli Alley. We
3: all hate Deli Ali on this podcast.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. This, this this is the one thing we all come together on. We do we all hate Deli Alley. Um, now, what did you guys? What the did you guys opposite think of, of hate game? I have for Hyungmin Son, who yes, I do love watching. If there's him play. if
3: there's one player not on Arsenal, probably my favorite player to watch is Son. Uh, I just I love the way that he plays. I love how he's so direct and so selfish. and Just always tries to score and beat beat the next player. And I think he's just a, he's he's a wonderful player. I hate that Spurs have him. Um, but I think this is this is the this is the type of performance where you know Harry Kane didn't start. And Sun took over. Sun, you know, the Internet was
2: not happy about that, by the way. I know. That was Ooh. Because because they were beating Southampton pretty badly in that midweek game, and Harry Kane played the entire game, and they could have taken him off at any moment to rest him for Leicester, which you would have said is a tougher game than than Southampton. And Pochettino didn't rest him. Uh, but I think he's up resting him for
3: the Champions League in the midweek, which is definitely the more important game. Because if you're Tottenham and you win that game and go into the uh, knockout rounds of the Champions League. That's like forty million for you next season. So that's
1: a huge. Accomplishment. I'm pretty sure that for
3: them, that that's a forty million dollar game in the midweek. I think even if they'd like won one nil or tied one one with Leicester, like they probably would have taken that if they if they could guarantee go through in the Champions League group stage. So, I mean. It, They've got a pretty good chance against a Barcelona team that's already qualified, and Tottenham did it last season. And as much as I hate to say it, Pochettino seems like the type of manager that he's going to have a really good game plan to to beat this Barcelona side. And that's already qualified. It's that's already qualified. That I, I don't see them, you know, trotting out their full team trying to, you know, go toe to toe with Tottenham. Who, you know, we've seen them the last few weeks. I mean, they've they got some dirty players out there. You know, don't Eric Dyer going to be out there. You don't want Lionel Messi near Eric Dyer, so. I'm. Um, um, I, th- I actually think Javier
1: Tottenham... would utter that sentence.
3: Yeah, I think I think that Tottenham are going to beat Barca in the midweek,
1: and resting... Lionel Messi should not be on the same field as Eric Dyer. <laughs>
3: yeah, just stay away from his two-footed tackles, like please. I don't want your career to be over. But I, yeah, I, I think that Tottenham are going to win in the midweek, and and that this you know move to rest Harry Kane is going to. It's going to work out for Pochettino.
2: All right, other games to talk about: Wolves beat Newcastle on a dying winner for Matt Doherty, which gave me the only correct. Uh, this guy can't.
1: Ga- is he is he Wolves' top scorer? No, know. Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez is the um, top scorer. Uh, they yeah, might gave be the tied the uh, I think I was only Stody correct has, prediction Stody of the week. Three.
2: Only correct prediction of the week. After Javier was giving me so much shit on the preview pod for for me taking some quote outlandish takes, which okay, it turns out I got most of the results wrong. It was I got most of the results right. Minute. I just get the goals wrong. I I'm just just saying. We, we you should
1: know. we should preface this by letting the listeners know that uh, Javier picked one one in that game. Right. And obviously, so he I would have made gotten it the result right. You just if, got lucky. Uh, it
3: like
2: the narrative changed in the last minute of that game, Andrew. No. I'm talking
3: I'm about all my picks because
2: every single one, every single one of your pick, every single one of my picks on the preview pod got criticized by Javier. Not oh this what? is a good Every pick. single one. Every, Definitely single, not one. every single one. I listened, I listened back and you were just destroying the <laughs> the defenseless receiver out there because I was not yeah, there I mean, and I you want you to come on the pod to defend me. yourself.
3: I don't want you to put these outlandish scores and then not come on the pod to talk about them you can't be like oh yeah City and Chelsea are going to draw and then not come on the pod and talk about it because then that leaves us being like why did he say that you know so you can't blame me for then like wanting well, to talk about it or like be like what is he thinking you know well we know now he ended up yeah, being we do know now. the but most he was, right but, of the three of us but we level. were right that you were just being hopeful like oh please draw with City like I would love to I go mean, top it, it, you didn't Chelsea, think they were going to win. Chelsea
2: always. I didn't think they were going to win. Chelsea. Chelsea match up well against City. I don't. Can you imagine if you made Chelsea. that bet? I bet you it was pretty good odds. I bet you it was very good odds. And the last game of the week, which I found very funny, was the um, it was the Marco Silva revenge game for Watford, um, which ended two two, and there were uh, Watford fans Crazy showing game. up. Watford fans showed up in in the game with like plastic snakes to to represent for Richarlison and. Mar- uh, Marco Silva gotta, which, gotta love
3: football fans
2: I love it I love Just it I also never like, gonna forgive I got- their manager I got a text from an Everton fan today who was like, dude, I'm so hyped for this game. We're going to kick the shit out of Watford. Fuck Watford. We stole their manager and their best player. And then they that then Sigurdsson misses a penalty. Uh, I, I just love it. Also, I literally had a moment on Twitter last week with an Everton fan who tried to tell me that Andre Gomes is the best midfielder in the Premier League. I tried to go talk shit with him again today and his, his account is suspended. Wonder why. So, um, Newsflash, kids. Don't be a fucking Everton Fan, um, <laughs> Andre Gomes has looked good in the last couple weeks. I'll, yeah, I'll give the Everton like, fan that. Dude, I've been
3: impressed I, by him. There that's, was that's one a sequence stretch. of yes, play I, midweek where played he like well. he like dribbled played past well. three players and put in like a beautiful through ball down the field, and I was just like, "Oh wow,
2: that was like he's he know. has played well." But I did ask this person. If he thought that Andre Gomes was having a better time in midfield than than De Bruyne, either Silva, Paul Pogba, um, Lucas Torreira, and he said that Andre Silva is the best midfielder in the continent right now. So I just, he I just may have been you, pulling your leg, Andrew. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was going after every 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 Liverpool fan he could because he was selling the DVDs of the time that Everton almost drew Liverpool <laughs> in the Merseyside <laughs> Derby two weekends ago. We um, almost drew them. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, so what that are the wraps-
1: standings. What are the standings?
2: Uh, standings for the prediction table. Javier remains on top with nine points. I got I go up one to eight, and Alex is in seven. Uh, so we're all we're all right in the thick of it. This could this trophy could really come to any of us. I'll show you uh, the thick of it. <laughs> Alright. Alright. What you do on your own time, Alex, is your business, okay? So like I said, right now you're going to hear from Brian Dunseth. We'll be back midweek with a preview for next weekend, which does see Liverpool take on Manchester United on Sunday afternoon, and Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday, and Europa League on Thursday. Another beautiful weekend, of week of football. Um, so until next time. Bye. I'm very excited. This is a long time coming. Uh, first guest we've had on the pod in a long time. Um, close friend of mine, also host of Counterattack on Sirius XM FC, channel 157. You can hear him every Monday through Friday from four to seven Eastern. Uh, former MLS player and US soccer player Brian Dunseff. Dunny, how are we doing on this Monday afternoon?
0: My man, Andrew Pissarro. Come on back. I miss you, man. I miss you. Dude, I miss it so
2: much. I it's it, I watch the I still watch the game every weekend, but it's definitely not the same um, because I don't I don't have to come in to work on Monday Shields Up from you and Tony and A and Will and everybody else on staff. Like just the level of banter in my life is significantly lower and I miss it a whole lot. And I I don't wanna like stick the knife this quick, but I, I gotta talk to you about your United. It's been oh. it's been a less than uh yeah a less than good year. Let's just say it like that. Um Jose Mourinho under a lot of pressure right now. I don't think there's an easy fix, but what in your mind is I guess the the band-aid over the uh you know the bigger hole in in the middle of United right now.
0: A uh, round of 16 Champions League. That's the only band. And you know like those band-aids like you put on your heel or your pinky toe that's like a circular band-aid with a really st- small square band-aid part in the middle to stop the bleeding? Mm-hmm. That's what happens to me when I've been gutted like a pig watching Manchester United. That's all I got to slow the bleeding um, because it's just been, I don't know, it's one thing after another. And, it, and it's, a, it's a hard watch. I mean, I go back to the times, and you and I have had this conversation. When Sir Alex Ferguson walks away, it's one thing for an icon to walk away. For for a a world-class manager, hands down, one that's very well-respected around the world, maybe not so much in Liverpool, (laughs) uh, but um, a a, a team that had style and substance and identity and you knew when you turned on a game that Manchester United was playing, it was going to be a fun game to watch, even if you didn't like them. It's kind of like watching, for me, a Liverpool game or a Man City game. No matter what, I know what I'm going to be seeing, and it's going to be recognizable. That has not been the case for a long, long time. And whether you want to blame Sir Alex for the aging squad in the moment that he walks away, or David Moyes, or uh, the baby giraffe, (laughs) marijuana, Feline, uh, Louis Van Hall on his enjoy the minced pies on Zavine, or... uh, You know, Jose Mourinho uh, giving poo face to virtually every player publicly week in, week out. It just hasn't. It's a collection of really intelligent, really successful and exciting players yet with no sustainable identity. And when push comes to shove and when when the when the verbal and, and mental manipulation starts both privately and publicly, Uh, You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I think the moment, Andrew, that they qualified for Champions League with a single match day left to play, that's the band-aid that at least gets Ed Woodward and whatever alleged board that he comes to conclusions on decision-making from, uh, that gets them through at least the end of the season. But if they miss out on Champions League and they miss out on Europa League, uh, there's going to be hell to pay. And at least hell to pay initially will be financial hell missing out on all that bonus structure.
2: Absolutely. And then United qualified from a tough group. You had Valencia, you had Juventus, a big win coming in Italy for United, a, a time where we like, is this, is this where we're going to see the turning point? And we kind of haven't seen that with United. And, you know, at least on the pod, myself, Alex and Javier, uh, we've had a conversation. How long does Mourinho last it at yeah. United? And we even put the over under at Christmas and yeah. they got they got a good win this past weekend against Fulham. They got an important draw. <laughs> wait,
0: wait, wait. Did you just say we had a good win against Fulham? First of all, anyway, that's, that's how bad it is. Any win that's for you guys, is a good win. Is. I know that's how bad it is, though. We're to the point where you just said to me this weekend, you had a good win against Fulham. Fulham is a promoted team that's already sacked their manager. And you're telling me we had a good win this weekend against Fulham. <laughs> it's a disaster.
2: Well, you had a draw against you had a draw against Arsenal in the midweek, which I know they'd drawn their two previous results, which is what you hate to see. But they get yeah. some points against the top team in Arsenal. In those last two matches, there's been no Paul Pogba. If you had yeah. to remove one of those two big personas at United, are you removing Jose Mourinho or are you removing Paul Pogba?
0: Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, Jose. Wow, I love you to death. I think you, uh, you, you more, more than anything, you have a proven track record for lifting trophies, and the formula absolutely works but I'm not sure it works with this group of players. And oh, by the way, when push came to shove and you said you needed players that were committed, only two of your purchases were in that starting 11. But the rest were bought by Louis Van Hall, by uh, David Moyes, and by Sir Alex Ferguson. So uh, I, I, again, I, my, my biggest fear, and I say this time and time again uh, alongside Tony Miola on Counter-Attack, Monday through Friday, channel 157 on SiriusXM. XM. Good drop right there. There you go. Um, is that uh, I'm afraid that the game has bypassed Jose. Not on the field, but inside the locker room. Because the connections, uh, the ability to connect with players, the hard line approach, I'm not sure in today's world is a beneficial approach to the amount of money that's in the back pockets of these players and oh by the way whether it's faria leaving his trusted assistant whether it's carrick retiring and heading to a bench coach role zlatan leaving for la galaxy or wayne rooney leaving for everton you think about those four dynamics in play that manchester united do not have and i think that's one of the biggest issues jose's having Inside
2: of that locker room. That's a that's a great that's a great point. I want to take it outside of United real quick and kind of take a bigger picture look at the Premier League. Obviously, we've got we've got a title race after Chelsea's performance over the weekend, which hurt me and helped me. I still don't know how to feel. Um, We're gonna we're gonna do the full pot a little later in this afternoon, and Alex, who's our Chelsea fan, will certainly be celebrating. Um,
0: oh, I feel bad for you, man. Oh, I feel it's okay. Bad. They're, it, they're it's, insufferable.
2: I know. I know. It's okay. Liverpool are top of the uh, top of the table. most is leading the golden boot race, and Allison has the most clean sheets. So I'll shut them up pretty quick. Um, but. <laughs> I still look at this Manchester City team as a team that's probably the most dominant in not just the Premier League, maybe not just Europe, but I'm talking all sports here. This is this is the Golden State Warriors with like a couple more players. This is the LA Rams are having a great year in the NFL. still got more talent than that team. They're stacked. Tell me they're, honestly. They're tell me, can anybody beat them? Like, do I? Do I? Do I? Do I um, I'm going to keep believing, but but should I be? Or is this just me thinking with my heart over my head?
0: I think this is the best possible time for this hiccup to happen um, because I thought they were incredibly dominant uh, at Stanford Bridge. You know, by the way, I had to sit next to Andrew Williams. Oh, God. And I was mocking him for the first 45 minutes, 43 minutes. I was joking. I said, was there was there a game within the game where the restriction was Chelsea couldn't get out of their own penalty area? Um, he wasn't too happy with me. He was losing his mind. And then one half opportunity and a half chance, and N'Golo Conte changes the scoreline. For Pep, I think this is the best thing that can happen because, as you said, um, he can point to Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool and say they're the best team in the Premier League, and that will be the fuel to the fire for his training sessions and his intense focus and preparation um, because that means he'll want his players to understand there's still a ton of work to do and they're nowhere close to where they need to be. Now, that being said, I think it's going to be an incredible race. It is going to be absolutely incredible. To see how this all plays out, uh, you and I have talked about it time and time again. Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp are the bogey team, the Pep Guardiola. So the head-to-head, I think, will be beneficial to Liverpool Football Club. My question is, despite the investment for Liverpool Football Club, the NaviKates, the Fabinhos, the Shakiri's, uh, the Alisson's, uh, all have fit a role in a dynamic. Um, I still get nervous when they're facing teams super low block, just want to keep the game in front of them. Uh, When teams are starting their defending at the midfield stripe, I got Liverpool all day long. um, But there's still a nervousness to me that they're, they're still in the midst of maybe Pep Guardiola and Man City last year, where they're starting to figure out through possession and going up against defenders that sit incredibly deep. Can we figure out ways to possess, probe, and still be lethal with our finishing.
2: All right. Well, one of those teams that's done a great job of getting that low block in against Klopp and stifling him is the exact team they match up against this weekend. They play Manchester United on Sunday, 11 o'clock, a game that you can listen to on Sirius XM channel 157. How about that for a plug? Um, Love it. And anyways, Mourinho's head-to-head rivalry with Klopp has seen Mourinho either stifle the offense and walk out with a nil-nil draw or seeing him come away the winner. Um, This is a game Liverpool absolutely have to have. I know it's only Monday, but I got to get your two cents real quick. How do you feel as a United fan having to go to Anfield this Sunday?
0: Good news. I think it'll be a collection of reserve and uh, guys that are seeing recovery minutes. And I know, uh, Man United has been decimated defensively because of injury, so it'll be good news as they've already booked their spot in the uh, Champions League round of 16. Um, so it's a throwaway game, even though we'll act like the world is falling uh, if, when they lose at Valencia. Uh, but you're right, the, the, the focus is Liverpool Football Club. There's no doubt they'll be coming off a huge Anfield night where they're going to need goals. So I, I think Jose's approach is, is to sit Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ander Herrera, Marouane Fellaini, and Matić in the midfield to try to keep the game in front of them, disrupt, and look to hit uh, on set pieces and corners. Um, And outside of that, uh, with this group of players, I just don't have a lot of hope. I keep saying top four, top four, but I think more than anything, this is a Europa League side, at least until Jose figures out a way to get everyone back on board uh, because Everybody's pulling in opposite directions, and that's not a good look in the Premier League for how competitive it is.
2: No, it's 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 going to be a huge match. Um, this is—I don't know if this is going to be the match that you put your friend, who's not really a soccer fan, in front of, because I, I have a feeling this could be a dull Jose Mourinho, drag it out, a lot of fouls, just break up everything. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be the most entertaining of matches to the casual fan, but for us diehards, this is a must-watch. Biggest rivalry in England still. Let's let's jump out of this. The second that the U.S. named a head coach, there was one person I wanted to talk to about it because you're so well-connected inside of the MLS. You you obviously worked with Real Salt Lake. You played in the league. How did you feel about Greg Berhalter being named head coach of the men's national team a couple weeks ago?
0: Yeah, I was all right with it. I mean, listen, I I think no matter what, he would have been one of the favorites for the position. Um, But the reality is he's not going to be able to get away from the nepotism tag with his brother uh, being the CCO, the chief commercial officer of U.S. Soccer. I also think the timeline uh, is less than beneficial because everyone's going to look at Carlos Cordero, his presidential run, uh, the 2026 World Cup securing with Mexico and Canada, and then Ernie Stewart being announced on June, but not taking over until August 1st. So the timeline, uh, the plan, uh, the parameters that were set by Ernie Stewart to identify the coach, especially with guys like Tata Martino, not quote unquote considered, at least publicly. Um, I think is is devastating. And and if you would have said Peter Vermes, Oscar Pereja, uh, uh, Greg a Tab Ramos, I think we would have had the same conversations about them minus the nepotism tag. Uh, But Greg, he checks a lot of the boxes. Um, His background, obviously two-time World Cup player for the U.S. Men's National Team. He knows what it means to go through qualifying in CONCACAF. Um, And whether you like it or not, he's created an identity with Columbus Crew. And oh, by the way, Manage them through the most hectic time in the club's history with Anthony Precourt pulling the BS that he's pulled uh, with the city of Austin. So I'm okay with the pick. I, I, I've I've I'm I've played with Greg and the national team. I know the intensity, the fire, the approach. He'll be meticulous in his communication, his training sessions. Um, so now it's it's on to business, and uh, thankfully we won't see any more um, freebie call-up national team caps. Uh, now we've got to figure out. Who's reintroduced to the group? Because I have a feeling he'll still try to lean on some of that experience that's available to him, at least early. Um, But I'm not going to judge him on the Gold Cup in the summer, even though I think that's the first phase. We'll get a really good taste of uh, of what this team looks like and, and the style and substance and identity that he's trying to put to task.
2: I'm excited to to watch what he does with this team because obviously he's going to have some some better players to to work into his squads than what was always available to him at Columbus. Not yes. those Columbus teams were good. He did a lot for a team that, you know, we talk about the big name signings in the MLS like look at what Atlanta is doing. You weren't seeing that necessarily happen in Atlanta, so I'm excited to see what he can do with this squad. And obviously, there's a ton of young talent that we're seeing every weekend, week in, week out, um, even both between the MLS and in Europe. And speaking of Atlanta, you guys just finished covering the MLS Cup Final, which went down in Atlanta. Uh, you saw Atlanta United beat Portland 2-0. I know Atlanta was a big side all year, but how was your experience being at the game? What was the fan atmosphere like? And obviously, where do you see the future of this atlantic franchise
0: yeah I, I think they continue to go down the same path it was incredible um you know we're talking 73,019 people i was on the sideline with andrew williams calling the game with tony miola joe tollison up in the booth and um it was 73,019 I, I pointed out that we're standing the entire game i mean literally standing the entire game which is incredible to think about whether it's big boy waka Flocka, you know any, any of the big names and the Atlanta hip-hop royalty, uh, that was always fun. Um, but I think more than anything, just watching, you know, here we were talking about Atlanta United being the best team in the history of Major League Soccer and watching them fall short on the road because of injuries of Mickey Almiron and Tito Vialba, uh in Toronto and missing out on the Supporter Shield title uh, and then win the Eastern Conference and lift the MLS Cup trophy. Um, it's Mr. Arthur Blank, obviously Home Depot money, uh, a proven owner with the Atlanta Falcons. But putting Darren Eels from Tottenham Hotspur in charge, finding Carlos Bocanegra with over 100 caps, with playing experience at Fulham, at Glasgow Rangers, uh, over in Spain, and in, in Major League Soccer, and, and then having the Rolodex of Tata and the convincing of Tata um, to go out and find the players like Joseph Martinez, Tito Alba uh, Eric Rometty, um, Gonzalo Pires, uh, Miguel Maron, Ezekiel Barco, 15 million, and now P.T. Martinez, who's coming over, uh, after winning the Copa Libertadores title with River Plate in Madrid yesterday. Mm. Um, it checks all the boxes. Now, the question is, with Tata Martino leaving, and we all assume that's going to be going to take over the Mexican Football Federation, uh, who comes in? Do you find someone similar like Guillermo and Barascaloto from Boca Juniors, uh, Gabby Melito, who was at Independiente? Uh, I, I heard Frank de Boer's name in the mix. I, I heard Alan Pardue was at the game the other night. Um, It'll be interesting to see which direction they go based on the roster that was built underneath the watchful eye of Tanta Martino and his style and his identity. So we'll see how it all looks long term, but short term, they're going to celebrate this uh, and their qualification in the CONCACAF Champions League.
2: Ooh, I didn't even remember a Concacaf Champions League. That team, that team, (laughs) still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I want to wrap things up. Thank you so much for the time today. Follow Dunny on uh, Twitter, Instagram at Brian Dunseth. Really solid Instagram follow. Puts a lot of pictures of the cool food he eats because he is the biggest foodie I know out there. (laughs) Um, Before I let you go, a lot of people don't know this. Some people do. Brian Dunseth, also a big music guy. So I have a quick uh, one. One guy that you got me on to in particular when I used to work counterattack a lot was Action Bronson. Um, He also got me into Childish Gambino, who I saw for the first time this past summer. One of the best shows I've ever been to. So thanks for that. Incredible. Um, the new Action Bronson album, uh, White Bronco, highly recommend it. Didn't like it the first time I listened to it, and then upon yeah. the second listen was like, oh, no, 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 this is very, very good. Second half is very good. Prince Charming is probably my favorite track off the whole album, so I'd recommend okay. that. And Telemundo has a World Cup shout-out, so got it, got to go find that one. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, buddy. Really appreciate you uh, stopping by for a few minutes. And My man. Yeah, best of, uh, have a great holiday season. Here we are in december so um merry christmas happy new year all the other same
0: my dude same my dude and my little boy luca who's about to turn 11 months is trying to say hello and give a shout out to everyone oh well he says one nil manchester united (laughs) (laughs) all right all right we'll
2: log lucas log (laughs) lucas lock of the week on the episode later Um, and until next time buddy thank you so much my man